Lord Jesus, we're just so thankful for your presence here tonight. We thank you for the person of the Holy Spirit. For he's the one that makes all things real. Hallelujah. He's the one that takes off the Father and reveals to us. Holy Spirit of God, we're just so thankful for your presence. Hallelujah. You are the one that establishes the covenant in our experience, oh God. <laughs> Thank you for your sweet presence here today. Thank you because you are here as the spirit of revelation. You are here as a spirit of insight. You are here as a spirit of might. You are here as a spirit of understanding. And even the spirit of the fear of the Lord. So Holy Spirit, we recognize you. And we welcome you. Exalt the name of Jesus. Let the people of God be glorified. Let Christ be glorified in this place. In his people. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Praise the Lord. You may be seated. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. You're all very welcome um, to Gilead. Uh, this is our first session on Thursday evening. We had our introductory session, um, but this is the proper, the first session of the school. Amen. This is the first session of the school. Uh, you know, in Jeremiah 8.22, the Bible says that is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why then is there no recovery for the health of the daughter of my people? It was like a question of uh, perplexity that why would the daughter of my people, the children of covenant, remain sick because there is a balm in Gilead. Amen. You know the word Gilead, uh, the dictionary or the Bible dictionary definition of Gilead is a perpetual fountain, a perpetual fountain. Thank God there is a balm in Gilead. His name is Jesus Christ. And he is a perpetual fountain. There is no limit to the healing from the perpetual fountain. Amen. Because when something is perpetual, it can't be exhausted. You know, as Jesus said to the Samaritan woman in John chapter 4 verse 14, he said, the water I will give you shall be in you a well of water springing up into eternal life. So it can't be exhausted. Now, Gilead is for two kinds of people. It is for those who would like to get healed in their bodies and those who want to be effective ministers of healing. Yeah? Gilead is not for observers. Okay? Let's see what's going on. No, that's what Gilead is for. Gilead is for people who want to receive healing. You know, there are some people who are ill who don't really want to receive healing. Uh, you might think that is uh, difficult to embrace. But you know how it is that sometimes when you're ill, you get a lot of sympathy. Okay? And um, in some foreign countries, you actually get disability benefit. And for some people, the disability benefit is quite significant. Right? So they, they complain about their sickness, but they don't actually want to be healed. Uh, Gilead is not for those kinds of people. Gilead is for people who either want to receive healing in their bodies or want to be effective ministers of the healing power of God. Now, there are different ways uh, that you can receive healing from the Lord. And we'll cover several ways over the next six weeks. My admonition is that you take notes, you buy the CDs, and you, you uh, actually complete the take-home assignments. There are going to be take-home assignments. All right? Uh, there are going to be take-home assignments. So, uh, my admonition is you buy the CDs, you listen to them over and over again, um, you carry out the take-home assignments, um, and, and basically... Um, you will be the greatest beneficiaries of what we have to offer. Now, just some logistics. The sessions are going to be from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. 
Um, what I plan is that from 6 to 6.30, we will have a time of worship. Our time of worship is as critical as the time of the word. All right? Because in our time of worship, uh, if we're led correctly, it would usher us into the very presence of God. We'll get a very a strong sense of the presence of the Holy Spirit. It will help us focus on the Lord Jesus himself, who is the balm of Gilead. Yeah? So the time of uh, worship is actually critical uh, to what we're doing, and it is part of the program. I expect that from 6.30 to 7.30, um, I will bring a teaching. And then from 7.30 to 8, we will have some worship again. It may take us till 8 o'clock, or it may end slightly before that. Okay? Uh, so that is the plan uh, in terms of how our sessions will uh, take place. I do not intend to start laying hands on the sick until week four. But we'll be led by the Holy Spirit. Uh, and because the Holy Spirit is here, the supernatural will occur as we worship, as we hear the word, as hands are laid on the sick. Amen. So I, always, I want you to raise your sense of expectation because the Spirit of God is already here. The Spirit of God is already here. Amen. Now, I would admonish you not to miss any session. Even if you are healed, um, before hands are laid on you, or very early um, through the sessions, like for instance, you might get healed and see a manifestation of the healing power of God in your body in this session, or as you go home, or in session two, um, whenever you get this manifestation of healing, keep coming back for the sessions, because we're going to be covering a lot of different aspects that are important for you. You know, Brother Hagin once said, he said, most people lose their healing through a counterattack of the devil than any other means. So they come to a meeting, um, especially, a, you know, like a healing meeting, like a Benny Hinn, for instance, who operates in the gifts of healings. And through the operation of the power of God, they get healed. And, you know, on the day, um, somebody who's never walked before actually begins to walk. It takes more than uh, psychology to get someone walking. Yeah, it's the power of God. But then, after two weeks, after three weeks, they get in the same condition again. Because just because you resist the devil and he flees from you, doesn't mean he wouldn't come back again. Because even when he tempted Jesus, the Bible says that he left him for another opportune time. So even if you get your manifestation of healing during the sessions or early on in the sessions, I will encourage you uh, to come for all the sessions because um, you haven't got the whole story yet. Amen. Now, another thing I need to say before we begin is that this is a school. Yeah, it is not a conference. It's not a convention. It is a school. That means that we're going to go through a lot of scriptures. We're going to go through them slowly. Um, it's going to be very different from how I normally teach the word because I'm going to take my time. Okay? We're going to go through the scriptures slowly. Um, and um, I would admonish you to make notes, to get the CDs and listen to them over and over and over again. Because in every session, the word of God is going to be planted in your heart, but it needs to be watered. Amen. Uh, and you water the word by repetition and you can uh, instigate the repetition by listening to the material over and over and over again and believe you me God will give the increase amen okay so that is logistics in terms of how we will operate now also in every session we're going to pray the Ephesians prayers together the Ephesians prayers have come by the revelation of the Holy Spirit and if you are involved in the school um, I would like you to pray these prayers every day. Say to your neighbor, every day. Say to the other person, every day. All right, if there's no one sitting immediately next to you, shout it across the aisle. Every day. Yeah, every day. Every day. Every day. All right? You know, when you take antibiotics uh, and they give you a course of treatment for two weeks, the doctor always says, Make sure you take it every day. 
Yeah, with antibiotics, it's very different from normal pills because with antibiotics, it, it doesn't work unless you take the whole course. Isn't that correct? If you miss a few days and you feel that, you know, you're doing okay, you, you are bound to relapse. Okay, so medical science says take it every day. I'm telling you, um, spiritually, you need to take this every day for it to work. Don't say it didn't work at the end of six weeks if you didn't take it every day. Are you with me? Um, but if you do this every day, your life will never be the same again. Now, let's open our Bibles to the book of Ephesians chapter 1. You need to pray this prayer over your life every day. And when we get together for Gilead, we will pray the prayer before we begin our sessions. So Ephesians chapter 1 verse 17. In the New King James Version. Um, but when you pray this prayer, uh, it is important that you pray it in the first person. You know, Paul is praying for the Ephesians. And he's saying, I pray that the God of my Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom. Uh, when you pray to pray for yourself, I pray, oh God, that you give me the spirit of wisdom. This is not a chant. It's not a mantra. You're not meant to rush through it and just quote it and, you know, and I've prayed it. No, you're meant to think about it as you're praying it. Because it's a prayer inspired by the Holy Spirit. Amen. And how often are you meant to do this? Every day. Okay. All right. So what we're going to do is um, we're going to pray together. And we'll do it in a sort of even pace. Just follow me on this. Okay. One, two, three, go. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. All right. Now, let's start again, but slowly this time. That the God of my Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of my understanding being enlightened, that I may know what is the hope of his calling and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Okay, let's pray again. I pray that the God of my Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of my understanding being enlightened. That I may know what is the hope of his calling. And what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Let's continue. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward me who believes. According to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Amen. So we're praying that the God of our Lord Jesus, the Father of glory, will give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in his knowledge. We can't know God by ourselves. The Spirit of God has to reveal God to us. And we're asking for revelation in three areas. Number one, that we'll know the hope of his calling. A hope is a confident expectation. What is God's confident expectation from our lives? Why did he call us? We're praying that God will open our eyes by his Spirit to know the hope, the expectation of his calling. To know the riches, the abundance of his glorious inheritance that he has made available to us in the saints. And to comprehend the extent of his power that is at work within us. 
the same power that he used to raise Jesus from the dead. So we're praying for three things. Okay, everyone follow me so far. All right, and we need to pray this, pray this over your life every single day and your life will never be the same again. Amen. So we're going to do that every, every Sunday as we get together. And also, um, our healing school is going to follow a specific protocol. Um, there is a, there's a specific protocol that we will follow, and that is based on two verses of Scripture. Look at the book of Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. Matthew 9, verse 35. That Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. How many sicknesses did Jesus heal? All of them. How many diseases did he heal? All of them. Okay. Um, so when Jesus came across an illness or a disease, he left that person healed. Yeah. He healed every sickness and every disease. Everyone that was willing. You know, this is only for willing people. Okay? Every sickness and every disease. Every sickness and every disease. There was no sickness or disease that he didn't heal. Every single one. Okay? Every single one. But look at the protocol. The Bible says he went to the cities and the villages... The first thing he did was to teach, and then he preached before he healed. Yeah? You see the protocol there? He taught, he preached, and then he healed. So healing took place after teaching and preaching. Okay? And teaching and preaching took place before healing. Okay? So the protocol we follow is that before healing takes place... You need to be taught. There are certain things you need to learn. Okay? Um, and that is why I said that we're not going to start laying hands on the sick until week four. Because there's some teaching and preaching that is needed before healing is manifested. You know, sometimes you get in a healing meeting and your first thought is, I wish he would quickly finish the message so he can minister healing. Now, that was not Jesus' protocol. Okay, Jesus taught and preached first because the teaching and preaching is required before the healing can take place. Look at another passage of scripture that talks about this same protocol. Look at Luke chapter 6 verse 17. Now when this protocol was followed, everyone, everyone say everyone. Everyone was healed. Every disease was healed. Every sickness was healed. Luke chapter 6, verse 17. Okay. Now it says, and he came down with them. And stood on a level place with a crowd of his disciples. And a great multitude of people from all Judea and Jerusalem. And from the sea coast of Tyre and Sidon. Now how many people came? Like a great multitude. Now from your perspective, how many would a great multitude be? It would at least be thousands, right? Okay. It would at least be thousands. A great, not just a multitude, but a great multitude. Okay? Um, from the seekers of Tyre and Sidon, who came to do what? To hear him and be healed of their diseases. As well as those who were tormented with unclean spirits. And they were healed. And the whole multitude sought to touch him. For power went out from him. And he healed them all. How many did he heal? He healed all of them, didn't he? But look at what they did. They didn't just come to be healed. They came to hear and be healed. Now, what did they come to hear? 
They came to hear the teaching and the preaching, didn't they? Yeah, because that is what precedes the healing. Okay, they came to hear and be healed. Hearing must precede the healing. Healing takes place after the hearing. Who are those that got healed? Those that hurt. Okay, so that is the specific protocol that we will follow in these sessions. The focus is on hearing because that is required before healing. The focus is on teaching because that is required before healing. But when we follow the right protocol, uh, we'll get to a place where all will be healed of their illnesses and their diseases. Okay, now let us begin tonight um, by looking at Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 4. Verse 20. Now as I said at the start of this, there are different ways to receive healing from the balm of Gilead. There are different ways. And we're going to look at some of those ways, uh, but we're going to deal with some foundations tonight. Verse 20 says, my son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life to those that find them and health to all their flesh. One translation says that they are medicine. They are medicine. Everyone say medicine. They are medicine to your flesh. But to enjoy the medicine of the word, there are certain things you must do. Number one, you must pay attention to them. It says, attend to my words. Pay attention to them. They need to be a priority to you. Uh, they need to be your topmost priority. You pay attention to them. You incline your ear to what he says. Uh, there are a lot of other options of what, you will hear a lot of things, but he said, what I say to you, incline your ear in that direction. Yeah? You know, if, if a lot of people are speaking, and, and you, you want to listen to someone who is talking to you, um, and you want to you get it, you want to get what they're saying because it's important, uh, even though there's a lot of noise and a lot of people talking, you, you need to sort of incline, right? You're, you're, you're leaning in that direction. It says, incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not depart from your eyes. Meaning, make them your focus. Keep them in the midst of your heart. Um, when you do that, when you attend, incline, keep them before your eyes and the midst of your heart. Um, then you will find it. It says, they are life to those who find them. And then you will experience the medicine from the word of God. It says they are life to those who find them. So that means that not everybody finds them. Is that correct? Not everyone finds them. But to those who find them, they are life. But to find them, you must do what? You must attend to the word. You must incline your ear to his sayings. You must make sure they don't depart from your eyes. Keep them your focus. They must be in your heart. Otherwise, you would not find them. Now, you see, the word of God, it says it's like medicine. It will be medicine to your flesh. And the picture I have when I meditate on this is like a, a, a capsule. Anyone ever had a capsule? Yeah, it's typically antibiotics come as a capsule. Okay? And the medicine is in the capsule. Okay? The, the medicine is covered by a sheath, some kind of, you know, um, digestible sheath. But it is when you swallow the capsule that the sheath dissolves and the medicine um, breaks open into your body. Yeah? Um, you need to swallow it. It is when you swallow it that the, the, the sheath dissolves and the medicine is released. And the word of God is exactly the same. When you pay attention to it, when you incline your ear to it, 
when you put it before your eyes and it gets into your heart, then the word will open up in your heart and the medicine, the medicine will be released into your flesh. And it's exactly, you know, as a matter of fact, physical things draw um, their power um, or their life from spiritual things. So you can look at physical things to understand how it works. Okay? Um, once that medicine is received and you now follow that course of treatment, the antibiotics, you now see that your body begins to change. Yeah? Uh, you now find out that you start getting stronger. Okay? It takes a little bit of time, um, but it begins to happen. Now, the Bible says that when you do that with the word, it will become medicine to your flesh and every sickness will be healed. Every disease will be healed. But you need to follow the protocol of the word because it is medicine to our flesh. Amen. Now, now let's expand on that a little bit more and talk about some attributes of the word of God. Some attributes of the word of God. Now look at the book of Isaiah 55 verse 8. Now these may be verses that you know. But we need to pay attention to them. We need to incline our ears to them. We need to water the seed of the word. Isaiah 55 verse 8, speaking about the word of God. It says, my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain comes down from heaven and the snow from heaven and does not return there, but they water the earth and cause it to bring forth and bud, that he may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It will not return to me void, but it will accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. So what will accomplish? The word. So that means that we don't need the presence of God apart from the word. Because the word is the presence of God. Uh, are you with me? Just like you don't need the doctor anymore when he gives you the medicine. Okay? You go for treatment. He says, okay, I know what the problem is. This is the medicine. You need to take this course for two weeks. Take it three times a day. Okay? Now, once you've received the medicine, you don't need the doctor because he's giving you the medicine already. Now, the Bible says that the word will accomplish. The word will prosper. The word is the medicine. And when you take it, you will receive the fruit of the word. And the next verse says, you will go out with joy and be led forth with peace. The result will be joy and peace. Amen. Okay. But the protocol needs to be followed Pay attention to it. That is the answer. Once you have the word, you don't need the presence of God anymore. Because the presence of God is in the word. Uh, are you with me on this? The presence of God is there. He is the one that gives you the medicine. Look at another verse of scripture. Hebrews 11 verse 3. Now, these verses we're going through tonight are verses that you need to pay attention to, incline your ears to them, meditate on them, mutter them to yourself. Hebrews 11, verse 3. It says, through faith. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. 
So everything that we see came out of the word of God. Everything. Say everything. Everything that we see came out from the word of God. Everything that we see came out from the word of God. You know, I heard McHankin say that the reason why words can move mountains is because mountains were made out of words. Yeah, and, and that was why Jesus said, you see this mountain, speak to it. Yeah, speak to the mountain. And the reason why the mountain responds to words is because the mountain came from words. Yeah, the reason why your body will respond to words is because your body came from words. Yeah, and it says that the word of God will prosper in the thing he has sent it. The worlds were framed by the word of God. So the word that created your body can fix your body. Because your body came from the word. In Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3, the Bible says that the Lord upholds all things by the word of his power. So his word created everything and his word keeps everything together. So when we pay attention to the word and receive the word and we find the word, the word will become medicine to our flesh and it is potent enough to make any change that is required because the word created your body. As a matter of fact, your body and the word have the same materiality. So when there's a problem with your body, the word can fix it. The word can fix it. Psalm 148 verse 5 says, He commanded and they were created. He commanded and they were created. Again, reinforcing the fact that the word of God created everything. Psalm 148 verse 5. So this is why under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the writer of the book of Proverbs says, Pay attention to my word. Incline your ear to my saying. Let them not depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. The word is the solution. You will find life as it enters your heart and it will become medicine to your flesh. And if you keep taking it, it will affect your body. It will affect your body. Amen. Now we need to understand the difference between fact and truth. The difference between fact and truth. You know, there are certain things that are facts. But beyond fact, there is truth. Amen. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 18. And this will help us in understanding what paying attention to the word means. Second Corinthians chapter 4. Verse 18. Now the Apostle Paul is speaking here. I actually start from verse 16. It says, therefore we do not lose heart. We do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While... We do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Okay? Now, I think this verse really helps us understand the difference between facts and truth. It says everything you see is temporary, as in it's changeable. Okay? Everything you see is changeable. Now, now, everything you see, it's really speaking about everything you perceive in the realm of the physical. So the things you see with your eyes, the things you hear with your ears, the, the, thing you, the things you feel in your body, yeah? So we've got eyes, sight, we've got hearing, we've got feeling. What else have we got? Taste and smell. So everything in the physical dimension is changeable. So Paul says we do not focus 
on those things. They are facts. The way you feel in your body is a fact. The doctor's report is a fact. The things you see about your physical body are facts. But Paul says we don't, we don't pay attention to them. We don't focus on them. He says the things that are not seen are eternal. They are not changeable. So we focus on the unseen realm. And you see, when he says the things that are not seen, he's not saying the things that don't exist. There are some things, they are things, they are tangible, but they are not just in the physical. One of those things is the word of God. The word of God that we are speaking is tangible. Because that unseen thing created everything you can see. And that unseen thing will change everything you can see. Okay? So it says, keep your focus, irrespective of how you feel, irrespective of how you are tasting or what you are feeling or what you are hearing or what the doctor is saying. Pay attention to the word because the tangibility of the unseen will affect and change and mold the realm of the seen. In John 17, 17. Jesus was speaking about truth here. In John 17, 17, Jesus said, Sanctify them through your truth. Your word is truth. Now the word sanctify means to separate. It says separate them through your truth. Now the word is truth. So the word is truth while everything we perceive in the physical is a fact and the facts will respond and conform to the truth. If we pay attention to the truth, if we incline our ears to the truth, if we put it before our eyes, if we keep it in the midst of our hearts, the changeable will respond and conform to the truth of the word of God. And that is why everybody that hears the word will be healed. That's why Jesus, everyone got healed. Everybody. It wasn't 20%. It wasn't 80, 20. No, no. Everyone that heard the preacher and the teacher and received it got healed. Because the word will change your body. Your body was made from the word. And your body will respond to the word of God. Now let's look at a practical example of this. Look at Isaiah 38. Isaiah 38 verse 1. This is an example of a hopeless case. Hopeless case. Isaiah 38 verse 1. It says, in those days, Hezekiah was sick and near death. And Isaiah, the prophet, the son of Amos, went to him and said to him, Thus says the Lord, set your house in order, for you shall die and not live. Now, now, why I say it's a hopeless case, or it was a hopeless case, is the fact that Hezekiah was the king. And how many of you know that the king um, in Israel was the wealthiest person? Yeah, because everyone paid their taxes to the king. So he had access to the best medical treatment. Okay? John Hopkins, I mean, he had it all. Okay? He had access to the best medical treatment. Now, he, the, all, with all his money and all the treatment that was available, it couldn't help him. Okay, so his was a hopeless case medically. And then adds to the fact that God informs him that you are going to die. So so it was a hopeless case. A hopeless case. From the physical, it was over. It was over. The best experts had told him there's no way. And then the prophet comes. This is not a false prophet. By the unction of the Lord and says, set your house in order. You are going to die. This is a permanent situation. So it was hopeless. Okay. Now, when we read the story, we see that Hezekiah 
did not die. And he did not set his house in order. Verse 2 says, Then Hezekiah turned his face toward the wall. And he prayed to the Lord and said, Remember now, O Lord, I pray, how I have walked before you in the truth and with a loyal heart and have done what is good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. And the word of the Lord came to Isaiah saying, Go and tell Hezekiah, Thus says the Lord, the God of David, your father. I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. Surely, I will add to your days 15 years. From a hopeless situation, he's restored health and he has an extra 15 years. I believe that a key phrase there is the fact that he turned his face to the wall. He turned his face to the wall. Away from man. Even from Isaiah. Away from his own sensations, his symptoms and suffering. Away from sympathizing friends and relatives. You know, as Trina said on Thursday, sympathy can get you to the grave quicker. Hezekiah turned his face to the wall, away from the sentence of his medical experts. He faced the wall and he faced God. Now, this is what paying attention to the word means. Yeah? Where it says, attend to my word. Incline your ear to my sayings. So, Hezekiah discounted his feeling, discounted the word of the prophet, discounted the sensations of his body, discounted the sympathy of his friends, and faced God. He's now me and God and the word. You know, in Luke 137, when the angel Gabriel came to give Mary this message, that you will have a child. Impossible situation. At the end of the passage, the angel said, for with God, nothing is impossible. Okay, that is the kind of resolution and focus we need to have. Paying attention to what God has said. With God, nothing is impossible. That means that you can walk again. You can see again. You can have your own children. You can run again. New eyes can come into your sockets. A new heart can be given to you. You can get new teeth. New blood can flow in your veins. For with God, nothing is impossible. But you have to face the wall and exclude all others. That if this is the word of God, the word of God will prosper in the thing to which he has been sent. The word of God is all I need. Because the word of God will not return void. Like a seed or like water on seed, it will give birth. It will produce. It will be fruitful in my body. The word of God will change the feelings of my body. And bring them into conformity with what he says. Look at Genesis 18.14. The Lord comes to speak to Abraham. Comes to speak with Abraham in Genesis 18, 14. And he tells Abraham that um, this time next year after the man of life, I will visit Sarah and uh, she will have a child. Now Sarah is 90 years old. Um, Abraham is close to 100. And, and prior to being that old, um, his body was dead. Sarah's womb, Sarah was barren all her life. And now she's 90. 
All right? I mean, you know. <laughs> so it wasn't that in, that in their younger years they were fertile. Yeah, they were infertile in their younger years, both of them, because his body was dead and Sarah's womb was barren. That's, that's always been the case. And then they're now 190. Yeah? Okay? Now, this is a real situation here. And, and Sarah laughs in the tent. But, you know. Verse 13 says, And the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I bear, shall I surely bear a child since I am old? Verse 14 he said, Is anything too hard for the Lord? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. Nothing is too hard for the Lord. He is the God of all flesh. He's the creator of all things. There's nothing too hard for him. I, I, I don't know what it is that you are facing tonight. That there is nothing too hard for the Lord. You need to pay attention to that. You need to cut everything else out. And focus on the fact that there is nothing. There is nothing impossible for the Lord. There is nothing impossible for the Lord. Look at one more verse of scripture. This is in Exodus. Exodus 4 verse 10. God has called Moses to go and deliver the children of Israel. Verse 10 says, Then Moses said to the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. So the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Or who makes the mute, the deaf, the seen, or the blind? Have not I, the Lord? Now therefore go, I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall say. You know, as I was meditating on, on Gilead, this, this verse sort of came up strongly in my heart. And I had to uh, go and look for the reference. The Lord said, who has made man's mouth? Now, now, whatever it is you are dealing with, you need to ask this question. Who has made my body? Who has made my blood? Who has made my teeth? Who has made my feet? Who has made, has not the Lord? To get the word in your heart, you must meditate on it. You must mutter it to yourself. Like we pray the Ephesians prayer, you must say to yourself in the first person. Yeah, the Lord is the one that created my back. He created my knees. He created my blood. He is the God of all flesh. There is nothing too hard for the Lord. Um, I don't need God to do anything special. Once I have the word on the situation, the word is the answer. Yeah, I live by the word. My, my body responds to the word because my body was created from the word. Yeah, th this is what you feed on. Yeah, um, and exclude all others. Now, now I'm going to go through a few verses. Um, look at the book of um, Luke, chapter 4, verse 1. Yeah, that there's something I want, I want you to meditate on this week. I'm going to give you a lot of verses, but I wouldn't um, exactly explain them all. We would leave that for your meditation time. Now look at Luke chapter 4. Verse 1, it says, Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Now, now, when he returned from the Jordan, Jordan, where was he coming from? Yeah? Okay, now, look at Matthew chapter 3 to get the context of this. Look at Matthew chapter 3 to get the context of this, and then we'll come back to Luke chapter 4. 
Now, in Matthew chapter 3, verse 13, it says, Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and you're coming to me. But Jesus answered and said to him, Permit it to be so now, for thus it is fit for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him. And when he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water. And behold, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, and alighting upon him, and suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am what? I am well pleased. Then if you go to the next verse, the next chapter says, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Okay, so the context is Jesus is baptized in water, the Spirit of God comes upon him, and he is now led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. So let's go back to Luke chapter 4, where we started off from. It says, then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Now, now being filled with the Holy Spirit was a turning point in Jesus' life. Yeah? Because prior to this, Jesus never performed any miracles. I mean, the only thing we know about Jesus, and this is in Luke chapter 2, verse 52, is the fact that Jesus grew up in wisdom and in knowledge, in favor with God and men. But now, when he got baptized and the Spirit of God came upon him and was filled with the Spirit... The Spirit of God took over. Yeah? Because the, the first thing the Spirit of God did was he led him into the wilderness where he was tempted by the devil. And we know the temptations that he faced, don't we? And the first one was about turning stone to bread, etc., etc. Okay? Now let's continue further down in Luke chapter 4. So after he gets tempted by the devil, verse 14 says, Then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. Now, 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 when did Jesus get the power of the Spirit? At baptism. Now, now, what happened at baptism that gave him that power? The Spirit came upon him, right? And he got filled with the Spirit. Uh, do you see that? He got filled with the Spirit. And Jesus, the Bible says, he returned now. He was now a different person. Before he was good Jesus, righteous Jesus. Yeah, and everyone knew he was righteous Jesus. But when he received the power of the Spirit, he became miraculous Jesus. Yeah, because the word power here is the Greek word dunamis, which speaks about miraculous power. Uh, are you with me? Let us continue the passage. It said, so he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, this is verse 16, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he was handed the book of prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. He has anointed me. The word anoint means to smear or to rub with oil. That's what anoint means. To smear something or rub it with oil. So when we talk about the anointing of the Holy Spirit, we're talking about God being rubbed on flesh. God on flesh doing those things that flesh cannot do. So when the Spirit of God came upon Jesus, and he was filled with the Holy Spirit, he was empowered. He received miraculous power by the Holy Spirit. So he went to the synagogue and read from um, the prophet Isaiah, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. The spirit has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. To set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. I have been empowered 
Everyone say empowered. He said, I have been empowered by the Holy Spirit to do these things. And if you continue to read, he said, then he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Now, now, this was the synagogue that Jesus normally attended. Now, it wasn't fulfilled before. Yeah? But he said, he said, today it's fulfilled. Now, what was different about today? The Holy Spirit. He had been filled with the Holy Spirit. He had received the power of the Holy Spirit. He said, today, this is fulfilled. Yeah? And then if you continue to read, you will see the first thing that happened. After that, if you go down... After they tried to kill him, um, verse 31 talks about the fact that he came across someone who was demon-possessed and he cast the demon out. That hadn't happened before. Yeah? It was happening now. And then later on in verse 38, we see Peter's mother-in-law was ill and the Bible says he stood over her and he rebuked the sickness and it left. Now, now how was this all of a sudden happening? It was the power of the Holy Spirit, wasn't it? It was the power of the Holy Spirit. And then verse um, 40 says, when the sun was setting, all those who had any that were sick with various diseases brought them to him. And he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. And demons also came out of many, crying out and saying, you are the Christ, the son of God. And he rebuking them, do not allow them to speak, for they knew he was the Christ. So what had changed in Jesus' life? The Holy Spirit. Are you with me? Because the Holy Spirit empowered him with miraculous power. Do we all see that? In fact, when Peter was talking about Jesus Christ, in Acts 10.38, the Bible says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with what? The Holy Spirit and with power. Who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. The reason why he could do good and heal all that were oppressed of the devil was because he was anointed by the Holy Spirit. And he was anointed at the point he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Are you following the train of thought now? Yeah? He could do miraculous power. Even when, his, um, when he rose from the dead... And, um, you know, and the Bible says in John 20, 22, that he breathed on his disciples and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Yeah, that's in John 20, 22. Um, anyone that is born again is born of the Holy Spirit. We know that from Romans 8, verse 9, because the Bible says that anyone that has, the, has not the Spirit of Christ is none of him. Right? But even though they were born again, we see a reference in Luke 24, 49 where Jesus said to his disciples that they should not go anywhere in Luke 24 49 he said that they should tarry in Jerusalem until they are endued with what with power from on high so even though they were born again he said go and wait don't go anywhere until you are endued with power because Jesus needed the power to do the miraculous we saw that, right? He was a good, righteous person before then. He was born of God, born of the Spirit. We know he was born of the Spirit because when um, um, the angel spoke to Mary, she said, the Spirit of God will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So even though he was born of the Spirit, he didn't do anything miraculous until the Spirit came upon him. And then his disciples were born of the Spirit when he rose from the dead. But he said, don't go anywhere until you are endued with power, miraculous power from on high. Yeah? In Acts 1 verse 8, he said, you will receive miraculous power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And we know in Acts 2 that they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden, they got transformed, didn't they? Just like Jesus was transformed, they got transformed. Look at two more verses and then we'll close. Look at Acts chapter 4 verse 33. 
Look at what happened to the disciples when they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Just like Jesus received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and was filled with the Holy Spirit and received this endowment of power, when they got filled with the Holy Spirit, they received this endowment of power, the same endowment of power as well. Luke chapter 4, verse 33. Oh, sorry, Acts 4.33. It says, and with great what? We get power. The word power there is dunamis, miraculous power. With great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And great grace was upon them all. Now, just to recap. Jesus... Jesus' ministry changed when he received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He received an endowment of power and began to do the miraculous. Yeah? God anointed him. He began to do all kinds of miracles began to happen because of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit's presence and anointing was the reason why Jesus could do what he did. And then um, his disciples were following him. It gave them authority, of course. But then after he rose from the dead, he said, don't go anywhere. Go and sit down. Don't go anywhere. Go and wait until you get endued with power. And then when they got endued with power, they went out and their lives changed again. They began to do the miraculous. Now, this is where I'm going with this. Look at Romans chapter 8 verse 11. Romans chapter 8 verse Okay, now, now that verse says this. It says, but if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also quicken or give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Now, now we know that when the spirit came upon Jesus, he empowered him to do the miraculous. When the spirit came upon the apostles, he empowered them to do the miraculous. When the spirit came upon you, he has empowered you to do the miraculous. Now, now Paul is saying, if the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, I will expand on that a little bit, if the same spirit that anointed Jesus and filled him and empowered him to do miracles and raised him from the dead, if that same spirit dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also make life. He will also quicken your mortal body, your body that is subject to death. He will impart life into your mortal body by his spirit that dwells in you. You know, the spirit of God that is in you, the spirit of God that is upon you is the same spirit that anointed Jesus and empowered him to do the impossible. Now, the Bible says if you have that same spirit, then that spirit will make life in your body. And that is the life of God, isn't it? The same, when that spirit manifested through Jesus, every sick was healed. Every disease was healed. The dead were raised. The thing that they said, you know, this area is dead in your body. That came to life when the power of the spirit was manifest. Now the Bible says the same spirit dwells in you. Now, now we need to pay attention to that. We need to pay attention to that. So when we are meditating, when you are meditating and you are inclining your ear to the word. And you are speaking the word to yourself. You must speak to yourself that the same spirit that anointed Christ to do the miraculous, the same spirit that transformed the apostles and caused them to do the miraculous, the same spirit dwells in me. So wake up in the morning and say the spirit of God is quickening my bones. He's quickening my eyes. He's quickening my blood. The spirit of God is bringing life 
to that which is dead. Hallelujah. Now that's what we need to pay attention to. Excluding everything else. Excluding the sympathies. I, I really want you to listen to these words. And, and then use them as the basis of your meditation. Now this is what we're meditating on all week. Okay. This is what you get up in the morning. After praying the Ephesians prayers. Then you go back to these verses. And begin to say them to yourself. Uh, right from the top. Where you know we're, we're looking at the fact that. Um, we pay attention to the word of God. We're, given, we're inclined our ears to his saints. Uh, what does the word of God say about me? The word of God is medicine to my flesh. Um, so this is what I do not focus on the things that I see. I focus on the word. And the word prospers in my body. It, we're not putting it in the future. We're putting it in the present. We're not putting it in the future. We're putting it in the present. The word prospers in my body. The word is health to my flesh. The spirit of God that raised Christ from the dead and empowered me is quickening my mortal body. It is the word that I focus on and pay my attention to. Yeah? So this is going to be our meditation this week. Amen.